Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. So I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. These episodes are recorded from my live Discord sessions where people from my community ask their questions all about family law and I try to answer them. If you would like to take part and ask a question yourself, I welcome you to join my Discord by clicking the link in my profile. Obviously, everyone that asks me a question knows that they're being recorded live for the podcast and I'm not giving advice. All I'm doing is making sensible suggestions and signposting. So, enjoy the episode. Uh, if I'm representing myself, how can I access husband's finances to make a financial decision? Well, you're going to have to ask him to give you bank statements. Um, that's generally what happens in the disclosure part. Hey, John, what's your I, question? Can the court um, make an order for somebody to go to mediation? No. So mediation's a voluntary process, John. We can't force anybody to go to mediation. Sometimes the court will order that the parties consider it or that they take part in family mediation. But ultimately, mediation has to be... You've got to go because you want to. If you're forced to go, then it's almost like court, isn't it? So it sort of, it takes away the impact of mediation or the or the purpose of mediation, really. Yeah, okay, I understand that. Um, is there a way of messaging, emailing you a question direct rather than be on the live talking about things yeah sure you can just email me um so my email is i think it's in my bio but if not it's tracy at maloneyfamilylaw.com um and happy to answer john it might take me a couple of days i do get a lot of emails but i will get to you eventually i'll answer your question no problem all All right right. i'll do that okay thank you thanks john bye-bye um so next up is abby edwards well my husband decided he wants to end the marriage four months ago and um, we're still living together. I'm not on the mortgage because um, I work as a freelancer so I was never be able to go on it. Um, I'm concerned he's going to pull the rug from underneath my feet and sell the house without me knowing and um, I just want to know what the next first step I've got to do is. I don't know. I'm really overwhelmed. Okay. So, now. Okay, Abby, now I hear you. So the first thing you need to do is fill out what we call a home rights notice. Because as his wife, you are entitled to a share of that property, even though it's in his sole name, okay? So you are going to download a HR1 form. Really easy to fill out, really, really straightforward. Um, And when you've completed that, it'll have all the details, all the notes of where you've got to send that to. Um, and that what that will effectively do is let land registry know that you are an interested party that you have a beneficial interest in that property and therefore he can't sell that property until the HR1 is removed okay your home rights notice is removed and of course you're not going to remove that until you've had a financial settlement in place Okay, and because I have a five-year-old daughter as well, yeah, and I'm just—he said he wants to do fifty-fifty custody, but he would only have to pay when she's in my custody or something like that. And then I'm a bit confused with what what would be the best scenario if he does sell and he splits the house fifty-fifty, that you know the equity of it. Would that be? Would I be better off like that, or would I? Do I need to stay in that house? And he, I just don't know what to do. Yeah, so in that regard, Abby, what what you're now asking me for is financial advice. So obviously, this is where I always say to people, now you need to go and get just that one hour with a family law solicitor so that we can ask you lots of questions and then we can give you the advice as to what you're actually entitled to. 
When it comes to child maintenance as to what he needs to pay you, depending on how many nights the child is with him, that's a question for the CMS. But what you're okay. entitled to, do you stay in the house? Do you go in the house? Can you stay in the house? Does he have to give you spousal maintenance? Are you entitled to more than 50% of the equity? That they're, they're all important questions, but not something I can answer on Discord. You would definitely need to get advice in regard to that. And the only reason I okay. say that, Abby, is that any family law solicitor is going to have to ask you lots of questions. Like we would have to ask you a lot of personal questions that obviously I'm not prepared to do on, yeah. on this platform. No, okay. Fine. All right. Yeah. No, okay. So is the, what was the name of the form? HR1. A HR1. Yeah. Yeah. And he hasn't, last thing, sorry, sorry, he hasn't actually applied for the divorce yet. So do, do I go ahead or do Absolutely. I just wait for him? Absolutely. No, no, no. You, you, you've got to look after yourself now. So you put that HR1 in and at least the home's protected. So he can't sell it without you knowing. And then okay. once you've lodged that, then well, it's up to you then. You can sit back and wait to see what he wants to do. But at least you've protected the house. Okay, thank you. All right, no problem. Thanks, right. Abby. Somebody was asking about the mediation process and how long does it take once the form's been submitted. I take it you mean the form for mediation. Um, generally, the mediator will contact you almost straight away, really, um, and then they'll contact the other side and give them sort of 14 days to respond. If mediation doesn't go ahead for whatever reason or it goes ahead and it doesn't work, then you'll get the MIAMS form from the mediator. That's the form you need to make the court application, okay? There we go. What's your question, Sharon? My husband, um, he has an ex-wife, three daughters. They kept the marital home and split, split the mortgage 50-50. Um, the basic question is, we are now in a very different position. She can't afford the house on her own. Yeah. Um, and he pays, not only does he pay half the mortgage, he also pays maintenance for the three girls as well. I have no issue with that. Yeah. They're his daughters. But I do have an issue with the fact that she's sitting in a property she can't afford to pay. So um, she's defaulted a couple of times on small amounts of the mortgage and so on, which obviously they're going to then chase him for. But if he falls out of work, then what happens then? Well, I think... So can we can we force a sale? Can we, can we look into changing it? Or is it set in stone? Um... So, so sorry, Sharon, who, whose name is the house in? In both of their names. And were they married or in, not? They were. They're divorced now. He tried to give her the house. He tried to sign it over. Right. Is there a, financi um, is there a financial order in place? No. Yeah. There is. And what does that order say yeah. again, sorry? What does that say? So he's, um, he pays half the mortgage. Yeah. And he pays um, maintenance as well for the free girls. Okay. So in actual fact, it's... it's quite a lot of money about. yeah so I have um, no issues um, with maintenance. and what you're saying is that that the money that he gives her she's not actually mm. able she's still not able to pay the mortgage she pays it now but there's been times when she's defaulted it was during uh, lockdown but she was still getting paid because she works in the school um but yeah obviously at the time we didn't act upon it because that would have been a real um whole move couldn't think of any other word um, but yeah, the long and short of it is she's with somebody else now. We think he's living there. We can't prove it. But could we ever motion to say, right, we want to, he wants to sell the house. He doesn't want to part only with her anymore. So the, the order that's in place at the moment, I think this is where I'm confused. Does it not yeah. have an end date at any point? Um, I think it was... 
when the youngest one reaches eighteen. Um, eighteen. Yeah. Okay. And how how yeah. long is that? Nine years. Oh right. Okay. I mean, look. I think so. Financial orders are really difficult to to get out of. Mm. They're very difficult to vary. However, mm-hmm. if by her not paying it's having an adverse effect on his credit rating. I think that's a really good exception to the rule. And that's a very good exceptional circumstance to actually take it back to court and say, look, with the best will in the world, I would love to, you know, Mm. it's a measure order is what he's agreed to, Sharon, just for the rest of the people that are listening. It is a measure order. So I think the fact that she can't pay the mortgage and he's sticking to his side, I think, yes, he'd be going back to court to vary the existing order. And the variation mm. that he would be asking for is that the property sold because he yeah. he can't physically pay anymore. And that's not no. that's not the point of the order. He's paying what he should be paying. Um, but whatever yeah. her situation is, she can't afford to pay the mortgage. So, mm. you know, the property will have to be sold. Otherwise, it's having an adverse impact on his credit rating. And that's something that the court will mm. listen to. And that would be the only real reason? Yeah, it, do it. Yeah, it yes. would. Because, well, unless there's some other sort of exceptional circumstance, but generally, mm. once an order's mm. made, he can't just go back to court and say, look, I've changed my mind, I want to buy a property. That, the, that, that won't cut it. The order's set in stone. But given that yeah. she's not paying the mortgage and it's having a negative impact on him, that will be something the court will listen to. Perfect. That's great. All right. Thank you so much all right. for your time. That's all right. Thanks, Sharon. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So next on my list is Marla. Marla, what's your question? I'm currently going through a divorce. Um, been separated from my um, husband for two years now. Um, initially, we had an agreement that I would keep the home for the children, yeah. um, and he could keep his pensions and uh, savings, etc. However, following um, a new relationship, he's he's um, gone back on that and is really trying to push for a sale of the property. Um, I, I was just wanting to know a little bit more about the measure order because okay. I have no issues about selling the property at a time that we. Can afford to move elsewhere. Yeah. But one of the issues is I have no parents. We live in an area where I rely heavily on neighbours and and friends, and really concerned that if we sold now, it would have such such implications yeah. on the children. No, I understand. So a measure order. The principle of the measure order is that we've got children that need to be housed. So what the court decide is is a good option is for whoever is the resident parent, and let's say, Marla, that's you, um, that you and the children stay in the property until the youngest is 18. Now, there are some conditions that we have with measure order. So generally, the person that wishes to stay in the property has to take on responsibility for the payment of the mortgage or rent, whichever whichever it might be. So that's the first thing. Yeah. The, actually mortgage free. I paid off the mortgage a couple of years ago, um, just before the separation. So I am fully funding the home and have been for the two years that we've been separated. Okay. So well then the court might want to look at the amount of equity in the home. If there's not enough equity to rehouse both of you, then you'll succeed on the measure order. 
So generally the measure order is for parties that don't have enough. So if you, let's say you both needed 150,000, for example. Um, so yeah. therefore there'd have to be 300,000 of equity in the property. And if there isn't that, then the measure order, you know, it fits. But actually, if by selling the property, there is plenty of money in the pot, the measure order may not succeed. And then yeah, what we wouldn't have been. Yeah, that's not an option. There isn't enough equity. OK, um, then 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 the measure order might suit you. And then uh, and uh, the thing that I apply for, we're in the process of a financial order. Should I wait for whatever his proposition is going to be? Well, we're going through the financial um, we've exchanged um, and now just waiting for evaluation on the home. So would the next steps be me waiting to say what what? He proposes or would I need to apply for a measure I think, first? I think, I think you can just put your proposal forward, Marla, and let him know what you're thinking. If you guys oh, don't agree, then it's mediation. And if mediation can't get a resolve, then it's off to court for the order. Yeah, I think the difficulty at the moment is he's just not willing to have any conversation at all with me. Okay. Um, and he's saying I have to go through the solicitor. However, I do think some of the conversations probably are not relevant to a solicitor and I personally just can't keep affording to pay for solicitors yeah. just yeah. to have general conversations. Look, if he's not so if he's not willing if he's not willing to, to talk with you, then you're just gonna have to go to court, aren't you? That's all. And let yeah. let the court make the order. So in that regard, just do the form A um and you're asking for um the measure order, yeah. yeah so just... It would make more sense for me just applying for that because if yeah, he's not talking, he's, he's... yeah. Because you're not going to get any any further forward, are you? Even if you've got a valuation. So, yeah. All right. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so brilliant. much for your help. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Marla. Bye-bye. Prenups. If a woman has prevented a man from seeing his child. So, if a woman has prevented a man from seeing his child for four years, what can he do? A C100 application, asking the court for a child arrangements order. That's what he needs to do there. Remember, guys, it's the child's right to have a relationship with the parent not the other way round, okay? A lot of people forget that. Um, Sarah, you are on the stage with me. What's your question? So basically, me and my partner separated like two and a half years ago. My daughter was only six months then. Yeah. And uh, now after two years, he, he he never made any contact to see uh, the daughter or anything. We only have one. Yeah. So now I'm divorced. And now... I, she sees somebody else as a father and it was a domestic violence thing that's why i left him and now um he's back in the situation and he wants to see a lawyer and stuff my daughter and now i it's just it's just frustrating that now she was seeing somebody else as a father she, she she's never seen him like she was only little when we left the home so it's just confusing me now what what is it is it going to be okay for her or no? Sorry, Sarah. What what's your question of me? Sorry. That is is it okay for a kid? Is she but she's seeing somebody else as a dad now because when you know when we left him, she was only six. Yeah, no, he I never ever made any contact. I understand that, Sarah. So is is her biological father reaching out to have a relationship with her? Yeah, now oh, after two years. Okay, that's fine. I think the important thing yeah. is. And, and, and yeah. you know, I appreciate that some relationships experience domestic violence. I appreciate that. Yeah. 
However, I think the court's view would be that we should mm -hmm. all know, be fully aware of who our biological parents are. Exactly. So it's, it's yeah. absolutely fine for her to have a relationship with your new partner. And obviously yeah. he's there bringing her up day to day. But I think the conversations probably need to be had that that gentleman isn't her biological father. Now, so that's the that's first true. thing. Um, so that the child's fully aware of, of her heritage and, and where she comes from. That doesn't mean that she has to have a relationship with dad if you think it's unsafe, okay? So that's a separate okay. question. Um, and I think okay. that I would possibly be waiting then for biological dad to make the application to the court and then you would okay. assess it then. Is it safe to allow him to have contact or not? And of course, if okay. it isn't safe, because you feel that potentially he's a violent person or whatever, you would raise yeah. that with the court. But I do think it's important that she realises, um, you know, that her that the person... Who's a real father? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. That that would be my suggestion anyway. I can't tell you what to do, but that would be my suggestion. That's fine. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so bye much. Bye-bye. Take care, bye. Faye, you've managed to join me on the stage. What's your question? Basically, I've been separated from my partner for almost two years now. Yeah. Um, I've found out he's gone abroad and gotten married. Um, I don't know if he's got married legally in another country, but I know he's done like the religious ceremony. Um, where do I stand in terms of applying for like, um, I think you can get like child maintenance and I believe it's spousal maintenance. Um, obviously when we get a divorce straight away, where does it, where do I stand in terms of like spousal maintenance? Does that mean I will not get it? And firstly, is it legal for him to actually go abroad and get married? Because we're technically not divorced yet. Okay. I think, I think, you know, the answer to the last question, it's illegal. He would be a bigamist if he has entered into another civil marriage. Of course, he has to divorce you first to be able mm -hmm. to, but that doesn't count for a religious marriage. Um, your okay. second question, am I entitled to spousal maintenance? I would have no idea, Faye. Um, you would need to take some legal advice on that point. Again, lots of questions that we would need to ask you before we could then advise as to whether or not you're entitled to spousal maintenance. Are you entitled mm -hmm. to apply for it? Absolutely, because it, you're mm -hmm. his wife. Um, and, you you know, spousal maintenance is based on need. So if you have a need for it, then, then you'll be granted that. Um, so, yes, okay. you can apply for it. I think the advice is needed to see if actually your application would succeed. When it comes to child maintenance, you can always apply for child maintenance through the CMS. Or if he's abroad, you would use the services of REMO, R-E-M-O. Um, because, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that doesn't depend on whether you're married or not. That's just... Um, based on the fact that he is the biological father of this child. So does that help? Perfect. Um, yeah, and just in terms of like the marriage thing again, so if he's not registered the marriage in that country, um, is that, would he kind of get away with it? Or if I've got, I've got like photos to show that he's been religiously married, that, but that's yeah. all I can prove. I don't know if that's going to go against him or not. I don't know how would that, do you know how that would work? I think, Faye, if, if I'm honest with you, I would probably turn my attention to, to sorting out your divorce. Um, so I would, if, if, if you wanted to divorce and bring your marriage to an end, then I would be filing a petition and I would be getting your, your financial application um, started so that you can okay. get what you're financially entitled to. You'll, mm -hmm. you'll soon perhaps discover through the financial disclosure process if a remarriage has taken place. Um, I, did okay. one, I did one recently and when we got the bank statements through from the other side, it was quite obvious that a marriage had taken place. Um, cross okay. that bridge when you come to it, if you come to it. 
right now mm-hmm. I would be I would be looking to secure your financial future by because you can't apply for things like spousal maintenance or any kind of financial settlement until you've got um so you've started the divorce process. I have yes yeah. All right. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Faye. Bye bye. Um, Super luminary. Luminary. What's your question? Over the summer, my mother kicked me out, and I've not spoken to her since this was in August. Yeah. Um, And obviously, all of my stuff's there. I'm just wondering. I know it's been a while, but do I have any money to to go and get my stuff? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is it's not really a family law question. Um, are you over 18? I, 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 was, I was under 18 at the time. But you're over Sorry, 18? No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I don't mind helping. Um, but So you're over 18 at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so if mum's not allowing you to collect your possessions, and they are your possessions, if I were you, I would... I mean, have you, have you spoken to mum? Have you written to mum to try to arrange a date that she can just leave them on the doorstep for you? Is there a reason why she's not returning them? I'm blocked on everything, and I've since moved to another city for university. Okay. What about writing to her, putting it in writing? I think that's important, to be able to prove that you have at least tried to contact her and get the possessions, because then the next thing I'd be doing is perhaps calling the local police station to say, look, I need some help, I need to go round, I need you to come with me. Um, so that, you know, we can, I can pick up my bits and bobs. If it's worth doing that, you know, if it's stuff that you really can't live without. Like like papers and passports, that, that kind of thing I'm thinking. Yeah, like a lot of my documents, like my passport, yeah. my yeah. birth certificate and everything. Yeah. So I would, I would put it in writing to mum and say, look, I, I really need, all I'm trying to do is arrange a mutual time to come and collect. Happy for you to leave them on the doorstep. Let me know when you can do that and I'll drive by and pick them up. Don't even have to see her. Or maybe there's a third party that could get involved. Yeah, I could see about that. Yeah, that, you know, if, if there's maybe a sibling, a neighbour, a friend who you both get on with that could go around, pick up your bits and pieces and then give them to you. I could definitely try. That's an that's an option. I just didn't know if I'd even have any rights to it now because it's been so long. I think yeah. I mean, when it comes to your personal paperwork, absolutely. You know, you need to get your passport. You need to get your birth certificate, stuff like that, because you're going to need these things moving forward. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Sorry again. That's all right. No worries. Bye. I only told that young lady that it wasn't a family law question just to let the rest of you know but I really don't mind answering a question that isn't family law if I can obviously sometimes I can't always do it but I don't mind at all am I still married after leaving over seven years ago um yes you are still married if that's your question does the financial order start from now um well yes it will because you are still married so until such times have you got that decree absolute um, anything that, that has been accumulated is potentially going to go into the pot. Um, so, yeah. Uh, B. Hutt, you are next on the list. It is it is a non-family uh, law question. It's regarding uh, leasehold query. I don't know if that's something that you might be able to help with. Run it by me, but possibly not. Let me, let me hear the question first, and I'll be honest with you. So the question is, uh, I moved into my flat back in 2019 of April I've continued to pay service charge and uh, I've basically uh, been served a section 146 notice Mm -hmm. 
which is uh, come to lie after speaking with the solicitor that has been instructed by the freeholder that the charges that were being paid were only for service charge, but I've admitted that I had only understood it that it was service charge and ground rent combined. So in summary, they uh, I've, I've agreed to pay what's outstanding, the sum that's outstanding, but they've added essentially about just over £1,500 in charges on top of what was owed. Right. Um, no, I'm not going to be... I, I, I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even venture a response to that. I'm so sorry. I mean, ultimately, what it sounds to me is if there has been a, a miscommunication there, because especially if you're now offering to repay what you understood it to be, then that's absolutely fine. Um, but I mean, if, if they're adding money on top, that doesn't seem fair, really, given that it was a miscommunication towards you. I don't know if that would be a property question or a contract question, if I'm honest with you. Um, what would I suggest you do? I would probably reach out to a property solicitor and have them tell you if it's not property, in which case it would be contract. Okay. Does that help? It's going to be... Yeah, I, I think I think there's... Yeah, I, I thought I'd jump on here because I know yeah. you're very knowledgeable in obviously family law. Yeah. I did just kind of add... Uh, I did speak to my solicitor yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, the solicitor that instructed the actual purchase of the property. Yeah. And I basically drafted up an email and I think I'm just... I'm kind of going into panic drive because I've, I've outlined exactly what I've just kind of told you. been very clear, yeah. offered payment and... Yeah looking online this particular solicitor which is working for the company uh to to recover what they believed is outstanding which i said you know i took full liability to pay yeah the the reviews of both the actual freeholder and solicitor working representing the freeholder are very poor it's yeah it's not looking good in respect of the the way they communicate with clients and yeah. stuff and it's just very you know i know that you know sometimes you read online but the reviews are quite uh quite poor you know, yeah poor and it just sounds as if they they don't take into account actually what they can see in black and white they're just yeah. very much you know into to for the money and i know that obviously but it's 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 taking each account out yeah. of you know being reasonable and from my point of view I feel that if this went to, for example, a judge, they are they're essentially saying five hundred pounds is outstanding. Uh, outstanding. I've agreed to pay that in full. The, the yeah. total sum is is coming close to two thousand pound, which they want now. But if I then don't pay that by the first of December, they're giving a a, a region amount of three thousand pound for it to go to court. And I just yeah, think, this is a, is a judge this, going this... to actually. No, no, not not when you're willing to compromise like that. I I mm. would be saying a keep everything in writing, which clearly you are doing. But B get some advice on that notice. What are your rights with regard? Because I don't know a notice. Did you say one four six? I really don't know anything yeah, about that. Yeah, one four six. So it's just basically it's it's if someone doesn't pay the ground rent. But as I've said to them, I've been paying. Yeah regularly the service charge but was unaware but you had to pay the yeah 
that my mistake and I said going forward I'm happy to set up a direct debit yeah. to ensure this kind of thing doesn't happen doesn't again. Happen again. But know, know your rights about that 146. What I mean by that is, do you have a limitation to reply to that? Is there an option for you to defend that? Because sometimes in the civil side of, of law, we they have a very strict timetable. So if you miss that, a judgment could be made in their favour simply because you didn't realise there was a deadline in place. So I would I would be looking at that notice more than anything. And then anything else you do, just keep it in writing. But you're quite right. The fact that you are, you know, corresponding with them, you're not ignoring them, you're offering to pay the difference. You are sort of saying, look, it wasn't clear, the contract that I signed and the money that I was giving you. In addition as well, how long have you been making these payments before it transpired that you weren't paying the right amount? So uh, how it's what what has transpired is that ground rent and service charges for this particularly particular lease is separate. I've been yeah, but how long how the, long have you been uh, paying it for? How how many months uh, or years? Uh, it will be four years next. Well, just yeah. for four years in April. So if if it's taken them four years to notice the error. You can't then expect someone to pay that back in four weeks. That's totally unreasonable. And, you know, that, that's part of your defence right there. Look, I'm willing to, to pay you what I owe you and I'm, I'm willing to negotiate even beyond that potentially to keep your home. But you can't just, you know, slap on a, on a charge and expect me to pay it, you know, by the 1st of December. And then if you don't, it goes up another £1,000. That makes me feel really uncomfortable there. But again, I don't understand that area of law enough to say any more than that, um, really. So but I think, like you said, is to, you know, have a bit more focus on the actual Section 146 absolutely. and see, you know, what deadlines I have to meet, if there are any, but it's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just in case you miss a deadline. And that's where you might need to take that legal advice. Okay. All, all right. right. Thanks for your help. That's Thank all you. right. Okay. Good luck. Cheers. Bye. Bye. How do I get in touch with you in regards to my divorce? You could just drop me an email. That's mainly how people get in touch with me. So it's tracy at malonefamilylaw.com. It sometimes takes me a few days to get back to you um, just because I always get loads of emails after I do the live discords with questions, but I do get there eventually. I promise you that. Hey, Cozy Penguin, what's your question? My child is on a special guardianship order with his aunt and uncle. Yep. Uh, you know, I've... I've, under their request, I've left them be because we did have quite a lot of issues in the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I've left them be um, and over the years sort of tried to approach them occasionally to ask about reviewing the contact situation with them and they've completely, you know, disregarded anything I've said. Um, I went to a my... Um, in September um, and they refused to attend any mediation so I've um, submitted the C100 um, which I really didn't want to do because I don't want to you know feel like I'm disrupting their lives yeah um can you tell me maybe a bit more about the process of that the C100 application so when you yeah. when you submit that to court you'll probably wait about three months before you actually get a hearing date. Um, within those three months, that's where everyone attends at court, within those three months, CAFCAS may well get involved or social services may well get involved to do some safeguarding 
checks and concerns and that's where they'll Kafkas will normally say to you okay what's the what's the purpose of your application what are you hoping to achieve and then they'll go and speak to the auntie and uncle and say to them look why is the application being made what do you understand to be the issues um, and that's just a bit of a safeguarding check really and then when you're trying to vary an SGO I mean I'll be honest with you it's it's very difficult because to get to an SGO um, things have had to have been, you know, fairly, as, as you will understand, you know, there, there, yeah. there will have been extensive um, court involvement already and the court don't make orders like that lightly. Um, obviously, social services would have been in favour of an SGO being made. So the reason that it's difficult to vary them or, or even overturn them is because you have really got to have shown that things have really changed now and actually you are able to have either unsupervised contact with them or more contact with the children or even overnight contact with the children but the the pressure is all on you and the onus is all on you to show that um, and of course the because the court have made an SGO in the first place they're going to want to be a hundred percent sure that any variation to that is not going to put the children um, their safety at risk oh yeah yeah I completely understand that um I have made some, you know, significant changes good. In, in relation to why the SGO was put in place. That's good. Um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to discharge the SGO. He's very happy and he's settled where he is. And I see no reason to even, you know, begin to try and unsettle him in that way. Yeah. Um, I just feel like he would benefit from having me be a present in his life absolutely you know, in some way more than once a year yeah um Absolutely. And and maybe your request of, of the court is that you have letterbox contact. So where you can send him a card or a letter or a photo once every month, for example, um, you know, and, and that you gradually, just as you say, be a presence there. And perhaps it could go from letterbox contact to you maybe having a couple of hours on his birthday and then a couple of hours, you know, on Christmas or around Christmas time, something like that. And we, you know, eventually build it up. What the court's going to look to do is to make sure that any order they make will be consistent because they don't want to have you give have letterbox contact, for example, and then after six months the letters stop coming because that can be more destructive to a child so that's yeah, that's that's where it will be very um the onus is definitely on you but my suggestion would be start small you know the fact that you are still in his life even though it's only once a year is positive um, because obviously the court's got the same thinking they want him to know who his mother is so start small and very slowly and gradually always yeah. with the best interests of the child you know um at, at heart which which are, you you know you are going to do but and obviously really stress to them how how you've changed and and how you've turned around that maybe the behaviors that the court didn't consider appropriate previously yeah um the only thing with that is he doesn't actually know he's with his aunt and uncle he thinks they are his parents do the, um, do the court know that? No, the court don't know that at all. He was on put on the SGO when he was, um, you know, less than a year old. Yeah. Uh, and I had some concerns at the time 
about that sort of thing happening, but when I raised them, um, I was sort of told that I was being delusional and that no one was trying to do that. Um, but he has he has no idea. Um, he is still young, like he's he's five, so I know he's not going to understand you know everything fully. Um, but he has he has no idea that I'm his parent when I'm going to see him. You know he he's been told to call me by my first name. He calls them mum and dad, which I completely understand because they've got a child of their own. So I'll understand he'll pick that up. But he also thinks that their child is his sister and that he's got more grandparents. He's He doesn't know any of my side of the family at all. OK, you are definitely going to have to tread carefully, definitely. Um, but I, I, I'm not... I don't want to disrupt his life. Yeah, I'm not so sure that the court would approve of, of all that you've just said, if I'm perfectly honest, because every child has to know its true parentage. Um, so, but, and I'm sure you won't do this, just don't go in all guns blazing. Just take it steady. Um, but but I, I think that, you know, you, you, you've, you're doing the right thing by putting the C100 in because you recognise that this isn't right. And, and the longer this goes on, the, the harder it's going to be. You know, he will adjust quicker at five than he will at 15. You know, to be told at 15 something like that could be devastating. Whereas at five, they're quite resilient at five. And because they don't really understand, it, it, he'll bounce back quicker. Um, so I would say proceed with your C100, but just ba baby steps. Because ideally yeah. you want to try and, you know, not destroy any relationship you have with the aunt and uncle. Even though you may not agree with what they're doing, and I would support you in that view... Um, you, you kind of need them on side as well. Everyone's got to try and work together here, which is going to be the real difficulty. Yeah, I, I really have the utmost respect for them, for what they've done and, and how, you know, although we have that one thing, they are doing an amazing job of raising him and yeah. I'm very grateful to that for him. Yeah. Um, the only other thing, concern I had was... Um, his paternal grandmother supervises the contact once a year. Yeah. Um, but I have some safety concerns with that. Okay. Um, I know that his aunt has specifically said, you know, don't let him out of your sight at all. Please take him to the toilet with you throughout contact. Um, but two years in a row, she left the building with, you know, left me alone with him completely, left the building to go for cigarettes. Um Right. And it, you know, concerns me because, you know, I'm not being protected from allegations. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you need to raise that with the uncle and aunt because that's kind of out of your control. Um, and if you have raised it with them and they aren't changing it, then it's something else that you would raise with the court. Um, because as you say, it, 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 there's nothing you can do about that. If contact's to be supervised, then you know they are to pick the supervisor. But clearly, you've got to protect your position as well. Yeah. I mean, all I, all I would say to that is, if, if it happens again, prior to you getting back before the court, just make sure that you stay in a public place where there's cameras. So if there ever was an allegation made, at least you'll be able to call on some sort of C CCTV or something. 
Yeah, All right. That's brilliant. Thank you You're welcome. Good luck. Bye. Bye. It's very difficult, guys. And, you know, I see a lot of you commenting on the TikTok there, but, but we have to be careful. And, you know, ultimately, there are two people that have stepped up to the plate to look after that little boy. Now, we might not be able to agree with what they're doing or what they're saying, but ultimately, they are looking after him and they're keeping him safe. And for a time, perhaps mom wasn't able to do that. Um, but yes, I, I think that every child should know where it comes from and, and, and who its true parents are. It's, it's um, you know, it's, it's really important, isn't it, to our self-development and, you know, um, who we go on to be. Um, there we go. So uh, we have come to the end of another family law session. I really enjoyed that tonight. We had lots of different questions, loads of divorce, loads of finance, and then we ended on quite a serious note, but I think that was an important one to, to let run on. Um, there was a lot there to discuss. Thank you everyone in Discord for joining me. Um, I'll be back here tomorrow again at five o'clock. So until then, take care. Apologies to those of you still with your hand up. That always happens. We get to the end of the night, starts off a little bit slow. And by the time we get to six, there's loads of you with loads of questions. So join me a little bit earlier tomorrow evening and I'll hopefully get through all of you. Until then, take care guys. And I will speak to you tomorrow at five.